From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in to the Green Zone, presented by BetMGM, Brady Cannon, and Wes Reynolds with you in fabulous downtown Las Vegas, Nevada, here at the Circa Resort and Casino. Inside the VEASAN studio on a Saturday, it was moving day at the Open. Round three is complete, and we will be joined by Ryan Ballinger here momentarily to get his thoughts on the first three days at Royal St. George's and what he thinks is a good bet, maybe Going into the fourth round, of course, Louis Oosthuizen is in the lead at 12 under par. He's your wire-to-wire leader right now, has led all three days. And Colin Morikawa, the local Las Vegas resident, is a shot back at 11 under par. And Jordan Spieth, after bogeying the final two holes, drops back to 9 under par. So three shots off the lead heading into Sunday. We'll speak with Ryan and get his thoughts on that. He'll join us just here in a few minutes. But let's take a look at the baseball scoreboard right now, Wes. Top of the third inning in Oakland with the Cleveland Indians and the Oakland A's, a couple of teams that are both in second place in their respective divisions. Oakland took game one on Friday night with a walk-off home run, a two-run dinger by Jed Lowry in the bottom of the ninth inning. Right now, Oakland leading one to nothing in the top of the third, and your in-game total has dropped all the way to seven with the early uh, going, not seeing many runs come across the plate there. The Oakland A's have moved to minus 350 favorites on the in-game money line. If you think Cleveland can come back, they're down just a run here. Plus 260 on the money line. Anything at all look attractive to you there, Wes? Nothing really here for, for this game. Uh, kind of how I thought it was going to play out. I, I thought the price was a little high on the Indians uh, with Montas today, but I did not get involved in the Indians. One of those teams we're going to be interested to see if they're going to be selling a little bit or if they're going to go for it. It's almost like in second place in your division, you don't necessarily want to throw in the towel, but you are eight games back right now of the Chicago White Sox. So they are kind of be one of those teams that are going to be playing this by year, I think over the next couple weeks and then the other game right now uh strike him out throw him out here in the top of the third uh, anthony rizzo strikes out wilson Contreras thrown out at second so d-back's going to go to the bottom of the third one nothing early lead yeah and these are two teams that you and i both feel will be sellers uh before the trade deadline which i believe is july 31st so coming up here in just a couple of weeks the trade deadline in Major League Baseball, and we thought we'd see some scoring in this game, but not really the case as of yet. It is the 
third inning right now with Arizona leading the Cubs one to nothing. Bottom of the third inning and nobody on as Arizona comes to the plate. And there's a base hit. No, not a base hit. That's going to be a pop out. But your adjusted total in this game, I was kind of leaning towards the under at nine prior to first pitch. But now your in-game total is just seven and a half. Now one down in the bottom of the third yeah, as I the did Diamondbacks bat. I did end up on the Cubs here, or excuse me, the D-backs here at plus 115. So uh, see if they can get some more runs early. And you mentioned in terms of sellers, expect Eduardo Escobar, who's got 20 dingers this year for the D-backs. He's probably a guy that's going to be on the move as the D-backs now 26-67 and 67 on the season. And the uh, in-game adjusted total just went to seven and now back to seven and a half. So uh, this thing's usually ahead of our feed. Maybe this guy gets a home run or a base hit or something. Um, I like now how they have at BetMGM. I don't know if you've seen this, Wes, but you've got in-game numbers on the first five as well. Yeah. Very interesting. And it always throws me off. I'm looking at the adjusted in-game total at three. No, that's the first five innings. Mm -hmm. I didn't know they had that, but uh, certainly have noticed that the last few weeks here doing the green zone Checking all the in-game action here, and now that in-game total between the Cubs and the Diamondbacks back down to just seven as Arizona hangs on to a one nothing lead. Again, Oakland leading the Cleveland Indians one to nothing in the bottom of the third inning there in Oakland. We'll have some more baseball getting underway in about an hour from now, and we will preview some of those games, some of the marquee games coming up. We will do that before we get out of here and throw the baton to the guys coming up in the VEASAN Bet Center. That will be coming up at 3 o'clock Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Sports Betting Network. But uh, Ryan Ballengee is going to join us here pretty quick, Wes, to talk about the British Open, and I understand he's sitting pretty with a few guys in pocket to win this thing. He's got the leaderboard surrounded, kind of like you and I did uh, at the Rocket Mortgage a couple weeks ago. That did not come through with Cam Davis uh, escaping everybody Mm -hmm. that we had in hand. Yes, Uh, We had Troy Merritt, we had Joaquin Neiman, we had just about everybody surrounded, but could not uh, land on anybody as Cam Davis won that one. This is the Green Zone, presented by BetMGM, Brady Cannon, and Wes Reynolds here on a Saturday live at the Circa Resort and Casino in fabulous downtown Las Vegas, Nevada. Just talking about a near miss uh, in the Rocket Mortgage Classic for Wes and myself. We had that leaderboard surrounded. Troy Merritt, Joaquin Neiman, Chris Kirk, Jason Kokrak, just about everybody except for Cam Davis who won that one. And what I understand, our guest Ryan Ballengee has just about everybody on that leaderboard uh, as well, as he's got tickets on Colin Morikawa, Lou Eustazen, and Scotty Scheffler. Welcome to the program, Ryan. You've got this thing surrounded. Uh, it should be an exciting Sunday for you at Royal St. George's. Hey, Brady, we've got plenty of sweat to come, uh, that's for sure, but we've got a couple of potential spoilers sitting there, and Jordan Spieth and, uh, and Corey Connors maybe as an outside chance, and maybe even... John Rahm, who I, I really like going in the tournament but didn't take a ticket on. So there's still plenty to dodge here before we get to the Claret Jug tomorrow. Ryan, we were going through these trends, and uh, obviously you're a follower of Justin Ray at Justin Ray Golf. And obviously good trends for the leader here at the Open Championship are certainly guys in that lead pack. Each of the last 31 major winners either at or within four shots of the lead. So through 54 holes and a lot of these guys have been able to close it out and we'll see if Louis Oosthuizen can do that. He has not really done that over his career. So looking at what you have right now, you have Oosthuizen, you have Colin Marikawa, you look at the more recent trends, each of the last seven winners on the PGA Tour have trailed after 54 holes. The last 54-hole leader or co-leader to go ahead and get this home on Sunday was actually Phil Mickelson at Kiwa Island. So are you doing a little bit of hedging there? And you mentioned the spoiler, and that's who uh, my partner and I here have, has, is Jordan Spieth, who is currently about 5-1, to one, maybe 11-2, to two, kind of out there in the live betting market in terms of being three shots back. Didn't really lose anything today, but really didn't get it, gain anything and missed some golden opportunities with the two bogeys late on 17 and 18. Are you going to try to dodge him, or are you going to take a little piece of Jordan Spieth? I think I'm just going to try to dodge him, Wes. I mean, I I feel like Spieth missing that putt on 18 sent him into an incredible panic. I have never seen anybody run from the 18th green to the practice putting surface like I saw Jordan Spieth Didn't do. Didn't talk and then to the, the media that, afterwards at, at all. Yeah, and the, and the putts that he hit, I mean, he looked like he was hitting them in a hurry, in a complete panic of what was what had happened on 18. That makes me think this is in his head way more than we think it is. And I think Azinger going over on the telecast, the putt earlier in the week in the second round, 
same whole, you know, same situation, but went way left this time, booted it way right, probably thinking about it. I, I think this could be in his head, so I'm willing to dodge him at this point. And uh, I, if I'm feeling a little frisky, I might get a little of Corey Connors just for some fun. And I and I want to follow up with that because there was something interesting that I heard from Justin Leonard after the second round on Friday on Golf Channel, and he was like. You know, Jordan Spieth has really gotten off to a good start because he's been a little bit more of the artist rather than being so much of the scientist. Because we know, obviously, science and golf has a lot of talk with Bryson DeChambeau <laughs> lately because he is the ultimate scientist uh, here in, in the laboratory trying to uh, get some of the intricacies in his game. But Jordan Spieth can kind of rely on that a little bit, too. Maybe he gets a little more analytical. He and Michael Greller have that board meeting before he takes a shot and a little bit of a slower player, maybe paralysis uh, by analysis here. But Jordan Spieth, why I liked him this week is because I think he has been a little bit more of the artist because an open championship that's so wide open in a Lynx golf course is going to bring his creativity into play. But one of the things that does concern me, Ryan, is what Justin Leonard mentioned is, is he going to panic? Is he going to get to where he's thinking too much instead of, like he said in his conference, I think I'm thinking more external instead of internal. And now I'm worried the internal is creeping in with this guy. Yeah, Wes, that's a great point. And I think that you're absolutely on something leading into the tournament because Spieth, and we've talked about this a little bit ourselves, that I feel like Spieth has come to believe in who he is as a player, kind of re believing in himself again, that he isn't a pretty player. He isn't a technical player. He is, as he said earlier in the week, I need to live in the external. I need to be someone who's not so focused about this needs to be here and that needs to be there. But on those six foot putts and inside where he is frankly, shockingly bad considering how many strokes he gains outside of six feet. I think he worries about those mechanics. And I see in him some of the stuff I do when I play golf competitively and you get there and you think, all right, I got to get this, this, head square i gotta get the putter blade exactly where i need it and he really worries about it loses tempo and i'm worried that he's going to do that when it matters most that he could bang in 20 and 25 footers establish himself as a contender on sunday against two guys who are ball striking studs in Oosthuizen and and morikawa in particular and start worrying that everything has to go in because he might miss a three footer or a two footer somewhere along the way that frankly could cost him this tournament Ryan, the most difficult uh, conditions we've seen for this tournament came on the afternoon of Thursday in round one when the winds got into the neighborhood of 20-plus miles an hour, and that wave of the draw really had a tough go at it. And then everything since then has really just been calm and sunshine and, and a lot of birdies and, and not a whole lot of train wrecks or anything like that. If you if you miss the fairway, and these are pretty wide fairways. They're not extremely difficult to hit. You can certainly get into some trouble if you do. Uh, that rough is pretty nasty off of the fairways. But overall, it's been a relatively easy open championship because the conditions have been benign other than that afternoon round on Thursday. And that's what the forecast is calling for on Sunday as well. Very similar conditions once again. Now, that golf course continues to dry out and get more firm and more fast. What do you think we're going to get as far as some of the scoring? What do you expect out of the conditions for the final round on Sunday? And how does that affect your betting? Does that maybe favor one player over another? My expectation is something very similar to what we saw today. I, I thought Louis Eustazen made a really salient comment, a really interesting comment for, for tomorrow after the round today when he said he thought some of the pins were questionable choices by the RNA. So he's thinking the RNA is trying to make this golf course a little bit more difficult by putting the whole locations in places that are going to be harder to access that may require going around or over some of the pot, greenside pot bunkers that are really the only defense uh, of note right now for Royal St. George's. I do think it's going to continue to dry out. There is no expectation of precipitation tomorrow. So the green should run a little bit quicker. We did see some of that to a degree today. It started to pick up a little bit in places, particularly coming out of the rough, coming out of that first cut. So I think it will be a little bit firmer, a little bit faster. And I expect the RNA is going to make this a, a pretty stern challenge. I don't think they want to see these guys light it up like they did for the first two days, even though Royal St. George's is a venue that's known for that. Uh, that all said, I, I think... Jordan Spieth is the guy to be most afraid of, and then Louis Eustazen right after that uh, because of driving accuracy. Because if you're going to put yourself in the rough off the tee or you're going to put yourself in one of those fairway bunkers, you're going to have a hard time reaching the green or holding the green. So I'm going to take – I'm feeling good about the guy who I have in pocket with Morikawa, who is pretty much a laser from tee to green and doesn't have the scar tissue that Louis Eustazen has of uh, hitting an unfortunate drive 
in a bad situation or poorly timed one at that. And Ryan, I want to continue with Morikawa because, look, whatever we don't hit the outrights, we always kind of have buyer's remorse a little bit. And obviously Morikawa would, I think, be everybody's buyer's remorse if they didn't go ahead and play him like you did. Because when I was evaluating this tournament, I was like, okay, if I'm just going on the normal stats that I look at, and they, of course, vary from week to week, but obviously SG approach, Greens and regulation gain, you look at Colin Morikawa over the last 24 rounds, not take into account the rounds he's already played in this event this week. 41.6 over the last 24 rounds he's gained. I think Manny Grillo was second at 27.8. So that's a pretty big gap against one of the best fields in the world. And same with greens and regulation gain. 50 for Morikawa over the last 24 rounds. John Rahm was just a smidge under 35 in second on that list. But then we did hear, and we obviously saw him play at the Scottish Open last week. We did hear his comments, though. He was having trouble getting those irons through the ball because this is a firmer turf usually than he's used to, obviously stateside so what drove you to Marikawa this week because that's what kept me off because I was like he just doesn't have the links experience even though he's the best iron player on planet earth maybe he needs another week to adjust and it turns out he just needed five days and he's doing just fine thank you well I felt good about the weather forecast I mean we knew going into this it was kind of unlikely we were going to get a whole lot of rain or a whole lot of nasty conditions and Royal St. George's is a venue that's prone to giving up scores which means someone who's doesn't necessarily have a ton of links experience. Obviously, Morikawa has relatively zero. But someone would feel more comfortable scoring there because they are prone to scoring well on it. And if you can just kind of keep the ball straight at Royal St. George, that, that's your best chance. I mean, the, the topography, when it's firm and fast, can create some awkward bounces, but that's okay. And, and, I, and I heard what he said about not feeling great about striking the ball on the firmer turf over there. But the last time he talked about not feeling great about striking the ball was when he talked about feeling anxious, kind of chipping on Bermuda. And he won that tournament. He won at the concession because he got a quick lesson from Paul Easinger and figured it out really quickly. I think he can adapt very easily. And what's off ball striking for him is just off of perfection versus what's off of ball striking for, you know, name your random PGA Tour player is a lot of trouble. And so I think once he figured out whatever little alterations he needed to make, made a couple club changes, made a couple swing alterations, he found something that he liked, and, and once you get to this point in this tournament, I mean, he's a guy who wins a lot. He, he doesn't really back down very often, and I think the other thing that I really thought about with him is the greens are slower in the Open Championship. You're not putting on a 12 or 13 or 14 on the stint meter, so those three, four, five, six, seven footers that were so cringy at the U.S. Open, those are ones you can just kind of bang in the hole, and that works to his advantage. That's why I kind of like so many iffy putters this week, because I didn't think it was going to work against them. He is Ryan Ballingy, the owner of GolfNewsNet.com, a common guest on our program, Long Shots. I believe he's joined us each and every year of our show on VSIN. You can also follow him on Twitter, at Ryan Ballingy. And Ryan, I want to talk about another guy, the final guy in contention that you have in pocket, and that is Scotty Scheffler. Went off pre-tournament, probably in the neighborhood of 60 or 70 to 1 at a quite a juicy price. And he, too, like Morikawa, has a lack of links experience. Now, he, like Morikawa, also played in the Scottish Open last week and fared very well there. And I think it's very interesting. We see Dylan Fratelli, Jordan Spieth, of course, and now Scheffler. The Texas Connection, all these guys, uh, graduates of University of Texas, all Longhorns, but how they're able to play in links conditions and, and growing up learning to play with your ball under the wind and a lower ball flight and the creativity needed around the greens, trying to extricate yourself from different situations than you find in America. I think it's been extremely impressive what Scotty Scheffler, you know, we talk about Colin Morikawa being a quick study, having to figure out the, the fescue surface to hit his irons. Well, Scotty Scheffler apparently got this figured out pretty quick too. Yeah, that's a great point with the Texas connection. That was something I kind of thought about in my research this week of, okay, let's find guys in form. Let's find guys who can play in the wind. And then let's see see evaluating them on a case-by-case basis from there. And Scheffler's played great in the last two majors, what, 8th and 12th, I think, in the, in the PGA and, and U.S. Open. Not necessarily a guy that you're expecting to get there all the way, but at a price of 60 to 1, which I got him at, considering the kind of caliber of golf that he's been playing and that he always kind of seems to put himself there. I mean, he's a little bit Xander Shoffley-like in that he gets himself there pretty frequently in the majors. Maybe not as close as Shoffley, but gets himself in a position rather frequently. So I think he needs some help tomorrow, obviously, but he also kind of has this benefit of he's going to have to go for it. I mean, he's four back. He, he's got to make a or excuse me, yeah, four back. He's got to make a run for it. Uh, he can't just sit there and, and let pars happen. So he's kind of got to play aggressively right out of the gate tomorrow, 
try to get those first five or six holes, which are really the most difficult in the course, maybe get one or two birdies early, apply a little bit of pressure to the leaders, and then see if he can go on a run on the final really two-thirds of the golf course, which is where the, the bulk of the scoring is going to happen here. But, I mean, Scheffler's kind of a pipe dream pick, right? I mean, you don't typically get a 60-to-1 guy that gets there in a major, but and also his putting is a liability. Let, let's be realistic about that. But I think that my, my thesis of ball striking and then let bad putting kind of slide a little bit may have worked uh, well for now, but that can all change tomorrow with the pressure of a, an open championship Sunday on the line. Ryan, going back to Morikawa, and I want to transition this to Bryson a little bit. We mentioned how quick of an adjustment he makes just within one week, and obviously right there here to win his second major just in the last couple of years. But Bryson DeChambeau, look, he's constantly adjusting as well and constantly making changes, but he doesn't really seem to make these adjustments as quickly. So do you just kind of think with where he is with his game right now, and he shot two over today, now three over for the championship, do you just think that this is kind of going to be what he is? He's going to have his process and he's not going to change. And some weeks his strategy and how he plays the game is going to work out for him like it did at Wingfoot, and then sometimes you're going to get performances like we see this week. Yeah, I always go back with Bryson to this quote that I've seen tweeted a bunch of times over the years from a, a, an anonymous college coach when he was in college and said, within five years, Bryson is either going to be in a straitjacket or number one in the world. <laughs> and some weeks it's it's both, and some weeks it's one or the other. And right now it's the straitjacket, I think. And, and I think with Bryson, what he has tried to do this entire time with the weight gain, with the swing maximization, with all of this stuff, he's trying to eliminate variables. He is trying to make something as repeatable as humanly possible and frankly, golf just isn't a sport where that happens, particularly in this type of championship, which has a tendency to mitigate long hitters. I mean, if you look at the guys who have won in the last 15, 20 years, with some notable exceptions, they're not particularly long hitters. They're ball strikers. They're accurate players. It really has anything to do with length in particular. And I think with Bryson, he has a really hard time adjusting to a style of golf that does not favor just repeatable motion, does not favor predictability. And that really bothers him, and he kind of tends to get too emotional. He lashes out about that, and that's something John Rahm has learned to control a little bit, and that's why he is, well, was number one in the world last week, but technically isn't this week, but is the best player on the planet right now. He's learned to control some of that to a degree and realize that if you work through the bad things at a closer to the same level than the good things, you're going to be more successful. But if Bryson doesn't figure that out, yeah, this is who he is. When things are great, he's unstoppable. When things are bad, he lashes out and is an equipment manufacturer and says his striper sucks. Yeah, and we've seen that type of behavior before, lashing out at rules officials, temper tantrums. Uh, he, he may need to take a break here I believe he soon. was called an eight-year-old by yes. uh, his uh, bag man <laughs> at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, who also is the day job, the uh, Cobra marketing manager, basically the brand manager. So, uh Bryson DeChambeau continues to give Brooks Kepka more material. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. You've got Louis Eustazen, Morikawa, and Scotty Scheffler. Wes and I have Jordan Spieth, so you know how this is going to go. Corey Connors is your British <laughs> Open champion. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys, for having me. I appreciate right, it. Hopefully guys. one of us gets there tomorrow. Thank we'll you, Ryan. We'll catch you next time, Ryan. Enjoy the Open Championship at Royal St. George's, my friend. Thank you for joining us here on the Green Zone presented by BetMGM. We'll be right back. Stick with us. It's VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. 
Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Green Zone, presented by BetMGM. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you on a Saturday afternoon, just finishing up a good conversation there with our friend Ryan Ballengee from GolfNewsNet.com. Again, follow him on Twitter, at Ryan Ballengee. He's uh, sitting pretty with three tickets there, Louis Eustazen, Colin Morikawa, and Scotty Scheffler to win the Open Championship. Of course, Wes and myself have tickets on Jordan Spieth, so we'll see if we can get one of those home. And uh, our colleague Matt Eumanns also has a ticket on Louis Oosthuizen to win the Open Championship, and it's amazing the form that this gentleman has been in in the last three majors, the PGA and the U.S. Open, and now the Open Championship. Louis Oosthuizen certainly in terrific form. We'll see if he can carry that out on Sunday and collect his second major, his second Open Championship. It was back in 2010 when he won the Open Championship at St. Andrews. On the Diamonds, we've got the Oakland A's still leading the Cleveland Indians. One to nothing, now the bottom of the fifth inning there, and your in-game total adjusts to just five and a half runs. The A's remain a minus 350 favorite on the money line. The take back on the Cleveland Indians is plus 240. The Arizona Diamondbacks hanging on to a one nothing lead over the Chicago Cubs. This down at Chase Field in Arizona. One to nothing over the Chicago Cubs in the top of the fifth inning there. Your live lines 
currently on break here. We'll update those for you as they populate, and they have your in-game total all the way down to five, almost cut in half where this total was going to first pitch. And the Arizona Diamondbacks, you're going to like this, Wes, a minus 275 favorite now in the in-game wagering market. The Chicago Cubs, the take back at plus 210. Uh, Coming up a little later this evening in the desert as well, not far from Chase Field, it will be the Phoenix Suns hosting the Milwaukee Bucks in Game 5 of the NBA Finals. We've seen a little movement on the total for this game, Wes. It started in the neighborhood of 218, 218 and a half, up to 219, and even some stores here in Las Vegas that are up to 220 for the total in this game. And it seems like the point spread, it, mm-hmm. it seems like the totals and the point spread have been about the same for yeah. every game. The, the home team's favored by four, and the total's about 220. And that's where we that's where we are again here this evening with this series tied at two games apiece. Yeah, not a surprise here that we're actually seeing a little bit of an adjustment, not only on the favorite, but also on the total here. Usually, I know people are more prone to bet the under in a game like this in terms of it's 2-2. Two to two. Okay, this is going to be what's going to take over the momentum of the series. So maybe you grind down on defense. So I'm not surprised to see this getting bet to the over. I'm not going to play the total. I'm waiting to play Milwaukee. I'm either going to play Milwaukee team total over or I'm going to take the spread. I want to see if I can get four and a half and maybe even pay the extra 10 cents and have perhaps buy it up to five. I think that's a key number. So that's my approach I'm going to take here. But probably the large portion of what I'm going to end up doing is just some prop betting here. Player prop bets. And do you have any of those up? We can take a look at those for a minute. Uh, I have a couple that I played that I can go ahead and discuss here Uh just uh, I don't know if we I don't know if we have a graphic up or not, but I do want to bring up a couple points and let me just go ahead and discuss them. And we do. There's our graphic right here at vcin.com. The one I'll use first is one actually John Von Tobel talked about in the first two games that hit in this series, and then it got adjusted and it didn't hit. And that was Mikhail Bridges over three pointers at one and a half. Because okay, I like that. If you look in ten postseason home games, he's averaging about five and a third three point attempts per game knocking down about 38%, so he's been 2.2 per contest. He's actually hit at least two threes in 12 of his last 14 games at home. But against Milwaukee, kind of slumped a little bit, didn't really shoot the ball very well. So Mikhail Bridges going back, now it's been adjusted back to where it was kind of pre-series. And I know JVT wrote that up at vcin.com in terms of his preview of this series. So that is one I'm going to play. And also another one I'm going to play is DeAndre Ayton over about, I think it's 15 and a half points right now. Mm-hmm. Wasn't really a factor in game four. Devin Booker had 42 points. Uh, so uh, I would be playing the 15 and a half. He didn't shoot very well from the floor either. He was three and nine from the floor, didn't get to the foul line. So Ayton, if you've seen so far in these playoffs, he kind of rebounds from poor shooting performances. And obviously tonight, no time like the present. He scored over 15 and a half points in seven of his last 10 games. He's also done it in two of his last three at home against Milwaukee. So this is a guy that's been pretty dominant at home in the playoffs, averaging about 17.2 a game, shooting a little over 70% and change from the floor. So I think DeAndre Ayton, in terms of the points, I would be going over 15 and a half points. You could maybe also play if you want, if you're not so sure about the points, because we can sometimes see some variance, maybe go points and rebounds combined. But I expect a very good game out of DeAndre Ayton. Tonight. I don't mind him over on rebounds as well. Just 12 and a half. I could certainly, again uh, see him getting to 13 we remember what he did in game one 22 points and 19 rebounds and now in a situation game five it's a must win really for the phoenix suns here to defend their home court tonight i could see another big performance out of deandre ayton we'll come back on the other side with some ufc talk right here on the green zone presented by BetMGM. Football season is right around the corner, and that means the VSIN College Football Betting Guide is coming out soon. Our experts look at the impact of the transfer portal, key games on the schedule, and early season trends to watch for so that you have a betting edge this football season. 
The guide is only $19.99, and discounts are available when you buy early. So now's the time to reserve your copy or sign up for the VEASAN all-access package and get everything we have to offer for the entire football season. Sign up now at vcin.com slash subscribe. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you inside the Green Zone presented by BetMGM. Final half hour of the program before we throw it over to Ben Wilson and Josh Towers. They'll take you the rest of the way into the evening on the VEASAN Bet Center. We've got some baseball coming up at 3 o'clock, a couple of games. And then the big, the bulk of the schedule will go at 4 o'clock Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. And some very good matchups. I'm very interested in that Houston-Chicago series. Also the, or the uh, Yankees and the Red Sox. The Yankees let yet to beat the Red Sox this entire season. They'll have Garrett Cole going in this contest tonight. And if you can't beat him with him, then yeah. you're probably SOL. That's trouble. And I, I, Didn't they open the season with Garrett Cole losing to the Red Sox? It yeah. was very early on, if I recall. Yeah, and uh, Boston, by the way, you mentioned that. They are taking the money here. I think it was minus 150 overnight with Garrett Cole. Better's uh, more than willing to bet against the New York Yankees right now because currently minus 130 here at BetMGM to take back on the Yankees, or excuse me, on the Red Sox just 110. And the baseball going on currently, the Arizona Diamondbacks still leading the Chicago Cubs one to nothing. There are two down in the bottom of the fifth. The Diamondbacks do have a runner on third, again with a one nothing lead there. And still a one nothing game. Check that. The Cleveland Indians have put a couple of runs on the board in Oakland. Now two to one in favor of the Indians, and they are still batting in the top of the fifth inning. They also have a runner at third base with two outs. So Oakland was a big favorite in that game, minus 350 on the money line. The take back on Cleveland was plus 240, and now that has flipped as Cleveland with a 2-1 to lead here in the top of the fifth inning in Oakland. We've got UFC fight night tonight for your Saturday evening, Wes, and uh, not quite as much of the excitement as we had last weekend with Connor and Poirier on the card. Other good fights on that card as well last weekend, but uh, nonetheless, we have betting opportunities inside the the octagon and I'll start with uh, one of the fights on the main card here and that is Jeremy Stevens against Gamro. Gamro is the favorite here at minus 200 and I believe you were talking about this a little earlier in the program that you thought maybe this is one you could use on a parlay. Yeah, that's what I would go with. Uh, Jeremy Stevens back down now in the lightweight division here at 145. So he's going up against the Polish fighter Gamrot, who is an impressive 18 and one. A guy that really gets a lot of takedowns, too. He averages just under five takedowns in a 15 minute fight. Really pushes the pace, doesn't get hit very often. And look, Jeremy Stevens has been in a lot of great fights in the UFC. I think he has 33 career fights wow. in the UFC, but. Look, father time catches up with everybody, and he's been regressing rapidly. I I admire him that he refuses to quit. He debuted in the UFC, Brady, in 2007. Wow. Jeremy Stevens. That tells I know you. I've seen this and guy on the card stayed, many times. And he has stayed in the company, too. So he hasn't been caught. So he's obviously won enough uh, here. So really what Gamra is going to have to do... Just avoid this guillotine because that's what Jeremy Stevens will do when he gets a little bit desperate. Uh, you know, we saw Conor McGregor try to do that to Dustin Boyer, yes. go with that guillotine joke. Uh, didn't really work out, and usually you kind of wear your arms out if you don't end up submitting. And I don't think he's going to ex- uh, sus- or uh, submit Gamrot here when if Stevens pulls guard for that guillotine. So what I would be looking for is Gamrot probably in a parlay. There is perhaps you can bet him by decision. I think earlier in the week it was a little bit over $2 at BetMGM if you want to bet Gamrot by decision that he's not going to finish Stevens. But I worry with an older fighter like Stevens that he is going to be primed to get finished and finished badly. So probably the safer bet if you are going to bet this fight is the Polish fighter Gamrot in a parlay. And the Arizona Diamondbacks do get that runner from third base home. So now 2 to nothing, they lead the Chicago Cubs in the bottom of the fifth inning there at Chase Field. Your in-game total adjusts to six. It was down to just five and a half. And the Diamondbacks now a minus 450 favorite on the in-game money line to win this ball game. Cleveland is a 115 favorite on the money line up in Oakland. Just a slight favorite over the home team, Oakland A's, as they lead 2-1 to one in the top of the fifth inning. Let's look at the women. This is uh, the uh, part of the main event here, the co-main event. Marion Renault is a small underdog to Misha Tate, plus 115 here at BetMGM. Tate, a minus 140 favorite between the ladies. Yeah, this is one I actually have bet, and I bet it earlier in the week. The price, you could probably still parlay it, but... 
Misha Tate, I bet, at minus 130. She is returning to the octagon for the first time since losing a unanimous decision to Rocky Pennington back in November 2016. And then she kind of retired a little bit because she went and has now had two children and was also an executive for one championship, an MMA fighting organization based out of Singapore. Her and Rich Franklin, former UFC fighter and Hall of Famer, serving as executives there. But earlier in March, she said she was going to come back and compete. Miss competing, so she's getting Marion Renault tonight. She actually signed a six-fight contract. So, look, they signed her to a deal, I think, and they made this match. And that's what I sometimes like to do, Brady, with these fights. Look, we can go into the metrics and all this stuff. What's a strike rate? What's a takedown rate? And all that stuff. But you got to look and see why is this fight getting made. And this fight is getting made not just to have a fight on the show. This fight's getting made for Misha Tate to go ahead and win this fight. And she's getting Marion. And to come back in the picture, Yeah, right? ab- absolutely. And she's getting Marion Renault, who, you know, was a good fighter in her day, obviously a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but she's 44 years old. And Marion Renault has not won a fight since February of 2018 when she submitted Sarah McMahon. So she lost to Kat Zingano, Yana Kunitskaya, who was on the main guard last week, losing to Irene Aldana, Rocky Pennington, and Macy Chason. So this is set up for Misha Tate, I think, to get the win. And that's why I think you've been seeing her get the money. She was a, a relatively popular fighter in her first run, and she had been in a lot of big fights. Of course, uh, had that rivalry with Ronda Rousey. It did not go well for her. She lost twice to Rousey. But Misha Tate's beaten good fighters. Never, Not forget, when she won the Bantamweight title, she beat Holly Holm by submission. So Misha Tate is somebody that was a big fight. Yeah, she's beaten Holly Holm and Jessica I and Sarah McMahon, Liz Carmouche. So she's beaten some names here, you know, lost to Rousey. No shame in that. And lost to Amanda Nunez back losing her title. Another big fight. By the way, Amanda Nunez still hasn't lost uh, that title, by the way. So uh, no shame in that. But I do like Misha Tate, Misha Cupcake Tate, Misha Takedown Tate, whatever she's going by right now. I think she's going to get a dub in the return to the octagon. All right, when we come back on the other side, we've got one more bout to preview there on the fight card for UFC Fight Night on your Saturday night, July 17th, on the diamond, still 2-1. to one. Cleveland leading the Oakland Athletics. The Athletics have a runner on. They've got a little something going in the bottom of the fifth inning there, and Arizona still batting with a 2-0 lead over the Chicago Cubs in the bottom of the fifth inning there at Chase Field. We'll come back. Also preview some baseball and one more fight on tonight's UFC card as we roll along here on the Green Zone presented by BetMGM. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. No one raises the stakes for MLS action like BetMGM. Sign up for the BetMGM app using the code VSIN100 in your first day. If your first wager is a $1 money line bet on the New York Red Bulls or the Philadelphia Union, you get $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. If you're betting in Pennsylvania, you'll get $100 in free bets if the team you bet on wins. Download the app today. It's a new customer offer paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or age or older to wager Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., or West Virginia only. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, and Washington, D.C., 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, in Tennessee, 800-889-9789, and 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. The promotional offer is not available in Nevada. Final segment of the Green Zone presented by BetMGM and uh, Mito Pereira, the golfer uh, who has been red hot on the Corn uh, Ferry Tour, making his way onto the PGA Tour uh, via the, uh, what do you call it? The, the Battlefield promotion, The Battlefield Love boost. is a battlefield and so is the PGA Tour, <laughs> but nevertheless, he is on the PGA Tour and he is currently tied for second. Mito Pereira, we mentioned James Hahn, of course, with that 60 Earlier on his round, almost had a 59, did not make birdie on the 18th. But he is your current leader, 17 under par, Mito Pereira. Jason Duffner making a nice round today. Nice appearance for Duffman. Here's six under par through 14 holes. He is tied for second. You are getting a lot of the lead groups, though. Keep in mind, they did start late. We had a weather delay down in, in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, where this is being placed. So you do have some guys out there just starting their rounds, like Joe Bramlett, JT Poston. These guys were up at the top of the leaderboard. Poston, by the way, was your overnight leader. They are also at 14 under par. Jim Herman, the Hermanator, the last time we had the Barbasol Championship. He won this thing at 350 to one. Of course, the uh, former golf pro at Bedminster, New Jersey. Uh, 
and he was 13 under par, 6 under on his round. So a lot of guys, still a lot to shake out. This is a birdie fest. You're going to have to be somewhere in the low 20 under par range to have a shot at this tomorrow. Yeah, a lot of these names that we are seeing recently in some of these smaller events, like the John Deere Classic, Ryan Armour was uh, in the mix recently at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, had a couple of good rounds up there. I believe shot a real low number uh, one of those days. Also shot a low number here at the Barbara Soul, shot a 65 to get things going, and he is still in the mix. He is even par through four holes today at 12 under par and five off the lead. You mentioned uh, Jim Herman, a former winner of the Barbersaw. Seamus Power showed up really well at the John Deere Classic, and he is in the mix here as well in the third round of the Barbersaw. And then, of course, James Hahn with the 60 today to get him to 17 under par, but just three shots ahead of Mito Pereira, who's really a new face on the PGA Tour, that battlefield promotion that you meant or that you mentioned, and that'll come when you get uh, three wins on the Corn Ferry Tour. And right now, Mito Pereira taking advantage of that on the big stage at the Barbasol. Let's also look at the baseball we have going on. Two games in action currently, 2-1. to one. The Cleveland Indians lead the Oakland A's in the bottom of the fifth inning. Oakland still hitting. They've got a real threat going. Yeah, Bases sacks, loaded. Sacked. Yep. Bases loaded, two outs trailing this one two to one and because of that situation for Oakland you've seen this in-game total change here to seven and a half and Oakland has once again moved into the role of the favorite as far as the in-game market at minus 130 on the money line the Chicago Cubs trailing the Arizona Diamondbacks two to nothing Arizona to a minus 375 favorite on the in-game money line and your in-game total all the way down to five and a half West we've got one more UFC bout to take a look at that we did not mention yet in the last segment, and I want to get your thoughts on this one. I'm not sure if you have a play on it. It's a big number, mm-hmm. so maybe you're going to a derivative market. You know, how many rounds will it go by TKO, by decision, what have you? But that is Islam Makachev at minus 650, taking on Tiago Moises, who is at plus 450, a lightweight bout. Any action or thoughts on this one? Yeah, the lightweight division featured once again. Of course, Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, the main event. Now Dustin Poirier, the number one contender. He'll get Charles Dubronx Oliveira somewhere in the near future for that title belt. But the young hot prospect really in this division is Makachev, who's currently ranked number nine. This is a busy division, by the way. You've got Justin Gaethje, Benil Dariush, Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson, Rafael Dos Anjos, Conor McGregor. So this is a really good division right now. But the guy that's kind of the young prospect here is Makachev, 29 years old. He is a protege of Khabib Nurmagomedov, uh, trains with him, and uh, now Khabib is retired. So maybe the next good Russian fighter here in the UFC is this man Makachev. There are already people that think that he's one of the be- the, the, the better guys out there anyway, former combat Sambo world champion. So He's a big favorite. You would think that he is going to get it done tonight. So obviously this is a big price, even if you want to put it in a parlay. So, I I mean, the way I would look at this, Brady, and I think that this is obviously a showcase fight for Makachev, that he's going to be able to get this done. Uh, I mean, he's been caught. He got cut by Martins early in his UFC career, but his striking defense is excellent. He's got really good cardio. Like his mentor, Khabib Nurmagomedov, he is dominant in top position when he takes you down. And, and absolutely has great takedown skills. I think he's going to be able to do that tonight and, and, and really just grind out a win. I didn't really see any value on this big type of money line, but probably where I would look a little bit here is if you can maybe get Makachev by unanimous decision or something. I think I've seen some plus money at a couple places by that. Uh, if you want Makachev by points, it's a little bit, you got to lay a little bit. I've seen like a dollar twenty, dollar thirty on that, but... I do think Makachev is going to get this done. Now, Moises obviously has very good jiu-jitsu on the bottom position, but I think the dominant wrestling position here for Makachev is just going to outweigh that. So I like him in this one. I would either do a parlay or do it kind of a derivative market where you're going maybe by decision or by points here. And for more information on that topic, go to our Visa newsletter, the Daily Best Bets email that comes out for subscribers. Lou Finicaro with his piece there, one of our UFC experts. Go ahead. Yeah. Brady, let me break in here because I was just watching as we were discussing this main event on the UFC fight card tonight. We do have the Haskell stakes at Monmouth that we were talking about with Mike Peranio 
earlier tonight as we see who might have got that wire finish. But the big story wow, before tight. before we determine who won that, Hot Rod Charlie, by the way, went off as a four to five favorite here. We did have a rider unseated here, and that was Midnight Bourbon, who was the third choice. Mm. Uh, and we remember we were talking about Midnight Bourbon with Mike Peranio. He's the runner-up in the Preakness. Hot Rod Charlie, by the way, given the uh, wire finish, it looked like it was Hot Rod Charlie well, and unofficial. Mandaloon. Unofficial yeah. win. Yeah, so they're probably going to review that a little bit. But Hot Rod Charlie at 4-5, to five, given the finish. But I do want to pick up where I left off with Midnight Bourbon. Paco Lopez was in, unseated on the front stretch. And uh, I, I got to get a replay on that because I think that horse, and he was on the turf or on the dirt all by himself, I think he avoided a horse running over him. They are attending to him on the track right now, but Midnight Bourbon did unseat Paco Lopez, who is a regular jock here. If you bet Monmouth here on the Jersey Shore throughout the year, one of the best jocks here at Monmouth pretty much all year round or in terms of the racing season when they race here. So uh, we will check on that status, but Paco Lopez did get unseated here because that kind of threw me off when I was talking about that fight because I happened to notice this out of the corner of my eye. I was like, Oh man, what's going on here? I didn't want to, I wanted to wait until we could uh, get it there. But, uh, uh, Hot Rod Charlie, look, I think that this is going to be actually reviewed and you did mention it was unofficial. I'm glad that you did because it looked like, uh, there was some heel clipping here and that's why Paco Lopez got unseated from midnight bourbon. So Hot Rod Charlie, some of the horse racing guys I'm following on social media right now think that that horse might be coming down. Well, do you know what the name of the third, the three horse is? Because he may it was have Mandaloon. Got, Mandaloon. He may have had a head bob in there yeah. at the wire. It, it was really tight. So we'll see what. I don't know if it's going to be on an inquiry. If there was, uh, you know, a foul somewhere. Uh, but just as far as who crossed that finish line, both Mandaloon and Hot Rod Charlie were going neck and neck, and and it came down to just mm-hmm. a head bob there mm-hmm. at the end. And so we'll see where that uh, goes as far as the uh, Haskell there at Monmouth. A good race, nonetheless, uh, out there in uh, the east. Let's look at some of the baseball coming up a little bit later this evening. First of all, an update uh, from Arizona. The Chicago Cubs have plated a run to cut that lead in half. Now 2-1 to one, Arizona out in front of Chicago in the top of the sixth inning. Chicago still hitting with two down and runners at the corners, and uh, the Cleveland Indians, Quantrill was able to get the A's to uh, force a pop-up there and escape that bases-loaded jam, so now 2-1, to one, Cleveland still leading, and they are now back at the plate in the top of the sixth inning, and they have moved back to the role of the favorite, now minus 155 on your live money line. Uh, game coming up also back east, and this will be at PNC Park. The Pirates hosting the Mets, 405 Pacific, 705 Eastern. Of course, the Mets atop the National League East, and you and I have talked about this team. Do you like their chances or not? You're kind of liking the fills from the underdog position in that division. Tyler McGill will take on Will Crow tonight, and the Mets are a favorite on the road at minus 130, or excuse me, minus 155 in favor of the Metropolitans here at BetMGM with a total of nine. Pirates, uh, obviously another team probably going to sell a little bit to Richard Rodriguez out of the bullpen, I think is kind of their guy in most hot demand. And you've seen uh, in terms of the overnight here, I think you said 155 here on the Mets. They opened a little bit of a bigger favorite. So the Pirates have gotten a little bit of support here. Uh, Lindor going to be out. He is now on the injured list, the 10 day injured list. So he is going to be out. So, the Mets struggling to hit the ball as it is, and Lindor has been struggling in his own right. So uh, I can see why the money is coming on the Pirates. My numbers didn't get there. This is a pass for me. I did play one of the games, and uh, we're running out of time here to really break it down. But Blake Snell on the road. We know that situation. He will be in the nation's capital to take on the Washington Nationals and Patrick Corbin. The Padres have favored on the road at minus 130, your total at 9.5. 24 runs on the board on Friday night for the San Diego Padres, and I'm going back to the well. I played over nine and a half. Yeah, I can definitely see that going forward. Of course, of what we saw last night. By the way, before we go here, Hot Rod Charlie taken down. Mandaloon is your winner here of the Haskell. So Mandaloon gets that win in your end spot at the Breeders' Cup for the Classic at Del Mar in November. And Mike Peranio is a happy man, the director of race and sports at the Mandalay Bay. I believe he was on. Mandaloon. That is going to do it for us. The VEASAN Bet Center is next with Ben Ben Wilson and Josh Towers. They will take you the rest of the way right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.